and welcome to Parallel, a tech podcast with accessibility sprinkles. I'm Shelley Brisbane. This is episode 54. Today we're going to talk about indoor navigation. I think most people think about navigation from a technological point of view, and they think about turn-by-turn directions, either in a car or as a pedestrian outside. But the field of indoor navigation, being able to find things when you're in a hotel or a convention center or an airport, is, is growing by leaps and bounds. Obviously, it has very profound implications for people with blindness or visual impairments, but more and more, indoor navigation is something that's being added to apps that serve a general audience. And I want to talk to somebody who has been around mapping in general and indoor navigation specifically for a while now. And I was really uh, pleased to have with me today Mike May. He is the chief evangelist for a company called Good Maps. And we'll learn a little bit about Mike and about, about Good Maps and what the state of indoor navigation is. Hi, Mike. Welcome to Parallel. Nice to be here. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. Tell us a little bit about yourself. You have a long history in the blindness community. You've done a little bit of everything. This is not, in fact, your first uh, work with mapping. No, that's very true. And and the fact is, as a blind person, the better you get around, the better you engage in life, whether it's social, recreational, or career. And so this has really been self-serving for me. The first part of my career was in high-tech, Silicon Valley, and I, I love the whole startup entrepreneurial thing. And <clears throat> after doing that for a while, I came across an opportunity that involved the first ever GPS and, and mapping accessibility. It's really when GPS was getting off the ground commercially in the 90s. So since then, I've been working on accessible navigation for the purpose of myself and also as a business and one of the things you learn in doing that is that things are only going to be viable if there are multiple purposes. It's not just for blind people, it's for everybody. And so that has really helped in launching the frontier of outdoor GPS in the early 90s, early 2000s, to now the new frontier, which is indoor navigation. Yeah, I mentioned some kinds of places that have been uh, set up for indoor navigation, like airports, convention centers, hotels. Are there other kinds of public facilities that indoor navigation has been added to that people might not think about? Well, it seems that in the commercial sector, we really crossed over a plateau maybe eight years ago when Apple came out with their iBeacons. And most of the indoor navigation has kind of been under the radar. Most people probably don't know that there's indoor maps. So when you go into the United Concourse and, and Chicago O'Hare and probably the other uh, airlines as well, there'll be a map that comes up when you get off of your flight and it says it's 18 minute walk to gate C9 where your connecting flight is and there'll be a map that shows the route. That's not accessible, but that is an indoor map and that's sitting there being used by sighted people every day. The missing component is that there's no navigation associated with that. Nobody tells me which way to turn. If you can see the map, you might be able to follow the blue dot on the visual map. But certainly if you can't see, there's no navigation associated with it in those type of maps. And that uh, airport that you, you mentioned, I think, is that Apple Maps has included some indoor navigation 
for airports. And even the United Airlines app, which was revamped late last year, has added an indoor navigation component. And I don't know how many of their airports they've added uh, support for. It's not universal, I know, but I, I did sort of tool around the I think it was Chicago O'Hare, and I don't know whether that's based on Apple having put beacons there or how that map is generated. But it, it does. It feels like the demonstration projects are, you know, big places like O'Hare and maybe a New York subway system and 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 the, and the like. Is is navigation moving out into other venues too? Yeah, airports are the obvious first place to start, and there are a number of companies that are creating those maps. There's a company called Locus Labs that got purchased by Acuity. Apple has theirs, Google. There's Esri here, which used to be Navtech. So all of these players, all the big boys in the mapping field are involved. It's not too prevalent indoors yet. <clears throat> I think um, Esri, for example, has maybe two, 3,000 buildings. So you know, when you think there's millions of buildings, that's not that many yet. But the, the obvious places where we need indoor navigation are airports, stadiums, large government buildings, hospitals, convention centers, maybe some big hotels. And one thing that those kinds of places have in common is that your average person might not go to them very often. And so they need navigation, which is kind of a different need than if you're a blind or visually impaired person. You, you may go to a place relatively frequently, but you may depend on navigation differently because it's, okay, I've been to this hotel before, but I need to get to the, to the room on the fifth floor or find the restroom adjacent to where I am and that sort of thing. Does that make you think about mapping for accessibility differently, that you're addressing both users who are infrequent users as well as people who might use navigation every day? Sure, there's all sorts of user cases. Sighted people do have the option of using signs. You know, sometimes they're confusing or they can't find them. So they can benefit from indoor navigation as well. For a blind person, we don't have a lot of options. If you've never been in a big building, you're kind of stuck with either bringing somebody with you or finding a sighted guide when you're there. So the accessible indoor navigation that we're talking about at Good Maps really changes that whole equation so that a blind person has the option to navigate independently in buildings they've never been in before, assuming they're mapped. Let's talk a little bit about Apple's iBeacons, which you mentioned before, because I think most people will have heard of them. They remember when Apple created these devices and added the ability for phones to communicate with them. Have those Beacon's been adopted. Would, would you would you consider it a, a success from Apple's point of view? Because what I've heard, just anecdotally, is that the price of those beacons, at least in initial implementations, was was prohibitive in terms of like widely uh, adopting them. Well, I think the the real success in the launch of the iBeacons was that Apple broke the ice. I've worked on indoor navigation as far back as 1995. And everybody just kept researching it and, and built, putting it into pilot locations with different approaches. But when Apple gets involved, all of a sudden it's scaled in a way that you just couldn't do otherwise with a smaller company. So the iBeacons themselves are not super reliable and um, inexpensive, but they're better than their predecessors. So they they did create an opportunity for commercial companies. Uh, dozens of them got involved in installing 
Bluetooth beacons in different locations. And accessibility companies started uh, implementing these like Sendero Group, my previous company, Blind Square, Lazario, uh, right here. All of these companies were uh, implementing the, the beacon systems, which are a bit unreliable because the Bluetooth beacon built into an iPhone doesn't really provide the kind of precision you need for indoor navigation. But it's better than nothing. Well, that leads me to my next question, which is what kinds of technology beyond the beacon specifically and reliance on Bluetooth are being brought to bear in indoor navigation today? And are there new technologies on the horizon that are going to benefit it? Yeah, the positioning is the real challenge. Mapping can be done pretty effectively and has been done for a while by some of these big companies. Uh, Good Maps is doing mapping with a whole new t- type of approach, which is LIDAR, uh, a laser backpack, if you will, with a camera turret, and we walk through a building, and in the time you can walk the building, it gets mapped. So that's the first part of the equ- equation. You have to have a map, and it has to be accurate. Then you have an app, and the Good Maps Explore app is accessible, and it will then use the camera on the iPhone or a smartphone, Android phone as well, that will pick up your environment and compare that with the map that's been stored in the cloud that we got from the LiDAR and identify your local position. And this is a much less expensive way to, um, to do positioning indoors compared with putting in hardware beacons. The other thing that's been tried and is still being used some places successfully is what's called Wi-Fi fingerprinting. And that means at any place where you've got a Wi-Fi router, you don't have to log in, but the radio signals from that router create an electronic fingerprint every place in that building. And if you can map those fingerprints, then when you walk by that location again, you'll be remembered and identified in the building as to the nearby points of interest in your location based on Wi-Fi fingerprinting. Well, let's talk a little, about, a little bit about LiDAR. You're using it to acquire information that will become part of an indoor map. And now LiDAR is even coming to cell phones with the iPhone 12 Pro and 12 Pro Max. And presumably it will come to more cell phones and have a variety of benefits but does LiDAR on the user side have specific benefits for indoor navigation that are interesting? Well, right now, for mapping a building, and the, the, you need a more powerful laser than you can get in a, in a phone. But, uh, I mean, the fact that these LiDAR systems are inexpensive enough that we can have them in a backpack is a huge advancement from where LiDAR was being used by Google on cars, let's say, 10, 15 years ago. So that's a huge advance forward. And then we have the LiDAR in the phones, which isn't as powerful, but it does serve the purpose of object detection, recognition, uh, identifying how far away people are. And that's being done on apps like SuperSense, Scene AI, and others. So I think it's only a matter of time before those lasers get faster and perhaps provide an opportunity for a user to map their own space. 
Well, let's talk about good maps. You you spoke about how you're acquiring map information by having somebody walk a building, but but tell me what the good maps product is and how people use it. Well, there's two pieces of it. One is the map side, and there's a portal uh, software that's called Good Maps Studio, and this is the system that allows the venue owner to manage their space so they can decide this is public, this is for some staff, this is for other staff. And when things change, they might rename somebody's office or uh, a room might change its function and so they need to rename it. So that's the Good Map Studio, which is what's available to the venue owner. They're the ones that pay for the mapping. The app is free for the user but the venue owner pays for the mapping, which can be used for blind people, for sighted people. They might want to use it for other purposes, asset tracking, knowing where stuff is in a hospital or other location can be extremely valuable to them. It could be used for first responders. So this makes the cost of mapping much more effective because it's spread out over multiple purposes. And then on the user side, you've got an app, a Good Maps app that the user, which of course is accessible because of your your focus, but it's also usable by by sighted users. Yeah, well, this is the funny part of this, Shelley, because in this case, blind people came first and sighted people second. <laughs> so we're working on the sighted experience because <laughs> um, you know they need uh, they need a blue dot and they need fancier looking graphics, and um, and so it. It covers the basics right now visually. A sighted person can use it, but we're enhancing that. There's also something called an app clip. So if a sighted person came to a building that was mapped by Good Maps and they hadn't downloaded the Explore app, they could still get a little notification that says, um, hello, this map has indoor uh, capabilities. Would you like to access it? And then you get this little app or applet that's, um, I think it's 10 megabytes, so it's very small, downloads easily, rather than having to, you know, put a full-fledged app on the phone and accept notifications and allow this and allow that. So those are a couple of things that are, will facilitate use by sighted people. Is there an app clip equivalent on the Android side, or are you on Android yet? We are on Android, and we try to have everything the same on um, both platforms. So if I'm an Android user, can I do what you just described in terms of app clips or do I need to download the full app? Well, the app clip is still in process, but there there's an Android version of that as well. So gotcha. we will try to make it a, a to coin a, a, an appropriate word. We'll try to have a parallel experience. <laughs> Love that word. There you go. So I've talked to other people who work on map indoor mapping for a blind and visually impaired audience. And, and like, like Good Maps, they're using the model of getting venues to lead the charge, if you will, and pay for their own mapping. And I my, when I initially heard about that, I, I guess I wondered two things. I wondered how easy a sell is that? And secondly, how easy is it to get vendors, uh, get venues to maintain and update the maps? Yeah, well, I'm been around this business long back, long enough that I can look back and see what happened when GPS was first adopted. And it took quite a bit of time for anybody, blind people and sighted people, 
to accept that this was a valuable tool. And lots of people would say, hey, I've gotten around fine on my own. Why do I need this? Why do I need the expense? Why do I have to learn it? What a hassle. Batteries run out. You know, there was a lot of uh, naysayers. And I, so I think we face the same thing with indoor navigation. People have been going into malls and airports forever and have done just fine. Why do they need indoor navigation? I think once it's implemented in enough places and people experience the value, they're then going to look back several years later and say, gosh, how did I ever live without this? In the same way that they say that about GPS outdoors. So what about the maintenance aspect? Especially, I would imagine, hotels or convention centers would be kind of a challenge because they're literally having things change on a weekly basis as new events come in or even in... I guess an airport is a little less prone to it, but still the Starbucks becomes a Dunkin' Donuts or something like that, and you have to update that information. So so for, for your company, I would imagine some of that is about con, uh, convincing and evangelizing that venue to, to keep their updates happening. Right. There'll be a lot of oh, strengths and weaknesses of this equation, as there are with all technologies, and with all adaptive technologies. So that'll be the case with indoor mapping and positioning as well. It's not going to be one meter accuracy 100% of the time. Uh, we're going to have um, points of interest that uh, become out of date, same as we do outdoors. I think the beauty of what we're trying to do here is minimize the hardware component because that's what's expensive. When you put in Bluetooth beacons, they their batteries run out at different times. One battery might run out in six months, another one might last three years. So you have that cost of installation and maintenance and vandalism that you don't have to deal with when you have a camera-based system. So I think that makes the updating process uh, less expensive, easier to maintain. And when you have the GoodMap Studio product where you can modify the names of things, unless somebody moves a major wall, it's not that hard to update things. It, it seems like it's about will, though. It's about having somebody whose job it is and whose who's interest it is, frankly, to make those updates. You know, inertia is just is, is sometimes... I mean, I'm sure you have better results with, with some venues or some kinds of venues than, than others. But And I, I don't mean to be super skeptical about it, but it does, you know, once once you've sold them the product, it's kind of their job to continue to have it be of the most benefit to their customers, I guess. Oh, you bet. As I mentioned with the GPS and the naysayers, we're going to have that indoors as well. I mean, some facilities, people are going to say, I've done it this way for you know my last 25 years. <clears throat> Why do I need to learn this software and uh, a whole new thing? And I have to train other people. And, uh, you know, there'll be some of that that goes on. But I think by and large, it will make their jobs easier, more effective, and for the building owners, a less expensive to maintain the mapping. And and a lot of these places don't even have maps, or if they do, they have blueprints, they have CAD drawings, and they may or may not be up to date, or they may be different dates, uh, because that that's how we were mapping before the the lidar, is you get these other hopefully digital files of buildings and floor plans. And it turns out they're really hard to work with. Can a venue then take a map that's been created 
with your system and apply it to other things, whether it's printed or enlarged and put made it a visual map that, in other words, can can we expand the value to them of that map beyond let's make sure the blind folks can find gate 47? Yeah, it certainly can be used, as we've said, for sighted people and first responders. Uh, other people can can have an app that accesses it as well. And then the whole building management side of it for asset tracking is something. There's a huge industry addressing that with some pretty sophisticated hardware systems. So if we can make this less expensive, then hopefully they, the venue owners will appreciate the value of it. Is there a holy grail for indoor navigation? I, I warned Mike I was going to ask this question. He was a little apprehensive about it. So, so take uh-huh. it the way you will. But I guess what I'm looking for is... Technology both gives us an opportunity and perhaps presents some limitations, but are there things you'd like to be able to do in indoor navigation that just haven't been possible yet? There really are. And as somebody who's been involved in startup companies and sitting around a campfire with uh, like-minded people saying, hey, wouldn't it be cool if we had um, some kind of thing to wash the dishes out here in the campsite? Um, I mean, we've thought of everything. Um, I would really be thrilled if I went into a building, particularly a, let's say a Target or a mall. You know, I don't. I, my tolerance for going through a mall might be about fifteen minutes or half an hour <laughs> at most. <clears throat> so, if I could go in and know where everything was, be guided right to a product, or to be able to browse. You know, blind people can't window shop. I'd love to be able to window shop. That's certainly high on my list. I'd also like to be able to go into the building and connect with customer service, have them see on their map exactly where I am and give me either some guidance or some help, sort of a cross with the the IRA human assistance service and the mapping, uh, help me out and or come to me and take me to a particular product or help me explain help explain to me about particular products. So connecting with customer service in stores rather than having to wait around and try to flag somebody down, that's impossible at the moment. That's a really interesting idea that the you sort of have a reverse navigation where the people in the venue, with your permission presumably, can find you. And that happens a lot of times when blind folks are trying to meet one another, meet somebody in a hotel lobby or, or, you know, find a, find a particular location. And it would help if both parties could, you know, identify each other's location. Mm, You've hit on one of my other holy grails, (laughs) which is an app that I developed many years ago called People Finder Lite, L-I-T-E. You can still find it on the app store. It's a Bluetooth app that picks up anybody else who's running the same app within Bluetooth range, which is about 30 to 50 feet. So if you and I are in the same bar and we can't see each other, if we were running the People Finder app, it would announce each other or nearby each other and allow us to find each other. And we've tested this in conventions and it worked great, but it's just something that needs to be made more robust and modernized. But there's no reason that that also couldn't be a part of this indoor navigation experience that I'm talking about. I think a lot of people would really love that. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you about another show on Relay FM. 
automators. If you like this show, there's a really good chance you'll like automators. If you want your devices to do more for you, join David Sparks and Rosemary Orchard on automators. Just go to relay.fm slash automators or search for automators wherever you get your podcasts. Well, Mike, at the end of every parallel episode, we do our famous one more thing question where I ask you to sort of think outside the box a little bit. In this case, the box is existing indoor navigation. So let's say you can uh, wave your magic wand or sell a good maps license or, or whatever that might mean uh, to get any indoor space in the world uh, navigated so that you can uh, travel it independently. What, what would that be? I'd have to say a, a mall, navigating a mall would be incredible. I mean, there are famous buildings that I'd like to be able to navigate independently. But ironically, when you go in those buildings, I really want to share the experience. You go into the Louvre. You know, I want to cite a person to describe the art to me. Now, if I could have technology that narrated to me or connected with, uh, with the specific information about those exhibits, that would be pretty amazing. And that's certainly possible. It's one of the things that we're, we have on our wish list for our product is that we we have a detail button when you get near something that's really interesting and you hit the details and you hear the history of that particular sculpture or monument or whatever you're nearby so i think it's all about once we get beyond where we are with mapping and positioning the next is expanding the content that makes sense my answer would be similar in that i'd like to combine indoor and outdoor and be able to walk down a street in New York City and identify not only the name of the store, but what the sign on the front window says that there's a sale and that if I walk right. in on my left, there's a display and on my right, there's a counter and, you know, so on and so on. Read the restaurant menu that they put out front, <laughs> which we can, yeah. we can do now. There are ways to do that in real time, but... <laughs> we're getting there. Yes, we're getting there. And, you know, some years ago, we submitted an NPR or division, I think it was PBS or something, <clears throat> to geocode all of their news stories. So you think of every every news story, it probably is happening at some specific location somewhere. And if you could have those news stories trigger when you walk by the area, oh, wow. then you'd have contextual location-based news stories. <clears throat> and it never got funded or off the ground, but... Their news stories are geocoded, so it's possible someday somebody could do that. That's a really interesting idea. I, I uh, have to all kinds of good one. things if we just had unlimited funds. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Well, uh, tell folks where they can find out more about Good Maps. Obviously, I'll put a link in the show notes, but but let people know what they need to know about the Good Maps product. Yeah, GoodMaps.com is the website. Info at GoodMaps.com will uh, be an email you could send along and and or pass it to me if you have any specific questions or certainly if you have a venue you want to have mapped in your area and you go prod them to be in touch with us we can always provide a quote to that particular venue and it helps to have a local person who's interested because that's that's where this all gets started it's it starts with um, groundwork absolutely mike may thank you so much for being on the podcast it was great to talk to you yeah, thanks, Shelley. Appreciate being on here. 
Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Parallel. You can keep track of the show at Parallel Pods on Twitter, or you can follow me there personally at Shelly, S-H-E-L-L-Y. Happy to take on your feedback, your comments, even your guest suggestions over on Twitter. You can subscribe to the show at relay.fm slash parallel, which is also where you can find show notes. Back in a couple weeks with another episode. Thanks for listening. Bye now.